that Jesus has paid our sins in full. No greater gift, no greater Savior than he is. Um, We're going to be in Acts chapter 13 and verse 4. Acts chapter 13 and verse 4. When I was at the Crystal College, I had a friend there who did quite a bit of street preaching. One day he was out uh, preaching the gospel on the street. And there was a man who began to oppose him and began to shout profanities right in his face as he preached for about two minutes. Then he fell to his knees and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Satan will try to oppose the work of God in the hearts of of people. He has always hated the gospel. He has always hated to see souls come to faith in Jesus Christ because it means they're no longer a part of his kingdom. And so he has opposed the work of the gospel at every turn. We need to understand this. Uh, as we try to share Christ, there's a spiritual battle going on. Uh, When we have an invitation time and we invite people to come give their hearts to Jesus Christ, there's a battle that's going on, and the enemy will try to give excuses. Well, you can do that another time. Well, why don't you wait? Why don't you—yeah, listen, you can do that when you get old. Right now, you're young. Uh, All kinds of excuses not to make a decision, Um, and— The same thing happens when you are talking one-on-one with somebody about Jesus Christ. There is a spiritual battle going on. And so we bring our prayers to God and we we share the truth of God's Word in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power is greater than Satan's power. Um, This scripture that we're going to look at today, Paul is talking to a man named Sergius Paulus who has actually sought him out. He's been, Paul has been traveling to the synagogues in that, in that area, and Sergius Paulus apparently hears about that and wants to know about the gospel for himself. And so he, occasionally that's happened to me. Uh, most of the time I go to people and try to share the gospel with them, and they don't come to me. But occasionally I have had someone come to me. Uh, And what a great experience that is. There's a special openness and a special readiness when somebody is seeking you out to hear about the gospel. Uh, Well, this this man, Sergius Paulus, has has somehow communicated this, and Paul and Barnabas come to share the gospel with him. But there is a man named Bar-Jesus, also named Elymas, who is a Jewish sorcerer. Uh, He is a Jewish magician, and I'm not talking about uh, illusions. I'm talking about uh, the magic that comes from dark spiritual powers. Uh, He is involved in these things, and he is opposing the work as they're trying to share the gospel. He's trying to turn Sergius Paulus away from the truth. He is opposing what's going on, and Eventually, Paul just 
confronts him and calls him a son of the devil and and you enemy of all that is right and, and he says he says the hand of the Lord is against you and you will be blind and the blindness descended upon him and he had to have somebody lead him around by the hand and Sergius Paulus was amazed not at the miracle that took place but at the teaching of the gospel and he gives his heart to Jesus Christ right there listen I'm gonna tell you we are in a battle but we're on the winning side we've read the last page we know that one day the devil's destination is the lake of fire but we're going to be in glory with our Savior and what a day that's going to be in the meantime by the authority of Jesus name we have uh, the ability to come against the powers of darkness and to take the enemy's territory as we share the gospel and bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we've got to be aware of this battle. Um, so uh, the title of my message is The Enemy of the Gospel. And uh, we need to overcome the work of the enemy through prayer through the Word of God and through perseverance in doing the work of God that He's called us to do. Uh, so, the enemy of the gospel. Look at, look at verse 4, and let's begin reading there. It says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Arriving in Salamis, they proclaimed the Word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. When they had traveled the whole island as far as Paphos, they came across a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. Uh, this man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, that is the meaning of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at Elymas. He said, you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, you son of the devil and enemy of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now look, the Lord's hand is against you. You're going to be blind and will not see the sun for a time. Immediately a mist and darkness fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. So the enemy of the gospel, how does Satan work against the gospel? First of all, I want you to see his misdirection. His misdirection. If you look in verse 6, the sorcerer's name is Bar-Jesus. That means, it's a Hebrew word, Bar is a Hebrew word, son of Jesus. Son of Jesus, a Jewish false prophet, the Jews who were supposed to be a light to the nations to bring the truth to the nations, but this Jew is not fulfilling his purpose, and this so-called son of Jesus is anything but a son of Jesus, as Paul later calls him, a son of the devil. Just because somebody calls themselves a Christian, just because somebody calls himself a pastor or a professor does not mean they're from God. Can I tell you something? 
One of the things the devil will try to do is misdirect people. Um, how does he do that? Well, there's cults. Um, one of the ways he misdirects people is by trying to lead them into a false Christianity. A Christianity that is not based on salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That salvation is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Satan hates that. He wants us to believe that we earn our way to heaven. So one of the things the cult will teach is that you earn your way to heaven. He also hates Jesus, and he wants to turn people away from Jesus. So cults that will call themselves Christian and will talk about Jesus actually don't worship Jesus. They have changed the definition of who Jesus is. Some of them will say, well, he's not God. Some of them will say he's not the only God. Some of them, well, some have even in the past have said he's not man. But Jesus was both God, fully God, fully man, in one purpose, in one person, so much God as if he were not man, and so much man as if he were not God, perfect in Godhood, perfect in manhood, in one person, and only such a man could redeem the world from sin. So the devil will try to misdirect. Uh, there are false teachers, false prophets, false religions, false gods. Well, you Christians say that you have the only way to heaven. How narrow-minded is that? Well, listen, listen, I want to tell you something. Jesus said it's a narrow way that leads to life. It's a broad way that leads to destruction. Listen, I only know of one man who's risen from the dead. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's risen to never die again. Only one man fills that description. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Listen, history testifies to it. Jesus has impacted history as no other man in the history of this world. Uh, read the book, Person of Interest. It's a great book. It'll tell you how Jesus has impacted every sphere of life in history. And... Uh, and all the sciences and all of these things, impacted by Jesus as by no other individual in the world. History testifies. That. The apostles and eyewitness testify to the fact that Jesus not only had risen from the dead, but that Jesus was the power behind the early Christian movement. And can I tell you something? Christians today testify that Jesus Christ has changed their life. We've seen it. We've seen it in the lives of people that Christ has changed. I remember a, a man in my church when I was growing up. He was a drug addict. And uh, he just had given his life to that. He got saved, gloriously saved, and became a, a powerful witness. God gave him the gift of evangelism. And he began to go. He scared my dad half to death, took him to witness to the hell's angels. And, uh, you know, I, he was a bold witness for God. God utterly, totally changed his life. Listen, only Jesus can bring light into darkness, can bring truth from error and, 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 and uh, lead a person away from error to truth and truly change a person and help them live the righteous, godly life he called them to live. Only Jesus 
can make a person new inside, uh, born again. And so the devil will try to misdirect us any way he can to a false religion, to a cult. Um, Be aware of that. That's one of his major strategies. And have your antenna up and and look in the Word of God. When somebody is teaching you something and you think, hmm, that doesn't sound maybe that that's quite right. Verify it in the Word of God. Look at the scripture in its context. I, what cults will do uh, is they will take scripture out of context. Um, and they will use it to build a case for something that's a lie. Did you know the devil's an expert at that? At taking a little bit of truth and twisting it and turning it into a lie. You remember Adam and Eve in the garden? Uh, has God really said that you should not eat of the fruit? Listen, God knows that if you eat of the fruit, you're going to become like him, knowing good and evil. Well, that's an attractive lie, isn't it? Uh, Yes, they did in one way become like him, knowing good and evil, but it wasn't a good thing. It sent them down a path of destruction. So uh, the devil has always been somebody who misdirects. So his misdirection, be aware of it, and don't take people just at face value. Make sure they're teaching the truth. So the enemy of the gospel. How does Satan work against the gospel? We see his misdirection. Secondly, we see his spirituality. His spirituality. Look at verse 8. But Elymas the sorcerer. Elymas, by the way, means something like wizard, sorcerer. Uh, so sorcerer and Elymas mean the same thing. Uh, he opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the face. So uh, this Elymas the sorcerer. So he was spiritual. Elemus the sorcerer was spiritual. He had spiritual experiences. Did you know you can have a spiritual experience that doesn't come from God? You absolutely can. Uh, Oftentimes, one of the ways the devil will deceive people is to give them an experience. Did you know you're not saved by experience? Did you know that? You may have an experience when you get saved. But you're not saved by that experience. You're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And there may be experience. There, there may, <laughs> the experiences may vary. But you can have an experience without putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, the Mormons will talk about a burning in the bosom. That's a cult, by the way. Um, you have, uh, did you know that there are false miracles that take place in many parts of the world under false religions? Demonic powers are used for these things. Uh, there could be experiences, there could be miracles uh, that come about as a result of the devil's work. So there's spirituality that is evil. And sometimes, and the Bible says Satan is an angel of light, okay? So, in other words, he doesn't paint himself with a pitchfork and horns and a long tail. Satan presents himself in a positive way. Uh, And sometimes in spiritual experiences that are false, there can be a, a, a good feeling that comes over somebody, but that feeling is intended to lead them away from Christ and into wickedness. 
I heard the, the testimony of a lady who was involved in a spiritual experience, and after this spiritual experience that she had, she would have all these vile thoughts and these wicked thoughts that would come into her head. If that's happening to you, that experience is not from God. God's fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness and self-control. So there's a phony, false spirituality. There's a bookstore that I have gone to a few times that they have a Christian section, and right across the, from the Christian section is the section on the occult and witchcraft. By the way, did you know that you should have nothing to do with the occult, with witchcraft, with tarot cards or uh, Ouija boards or getting your palm read? You say, preacher, you're crazy. That's harmless. No, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Don't you open yourself up to the evil one. Don't have anything to do with these things. But right across from the Christian section was the witchcraft and the cult section. I always thought that was ironic. Was that by design? So you got people here read, reading spells, and then you got people here reading about Christianity. Uh, but the devil has always had a false or uh, counterfeit spirituality. It's a real spirituality, but it is from the devil and not from God. So uh, how does Satan work against the gospel? He gives, first of all, his misdirection. Secondly, his spirituality. Thirdly, his purpose. Look at verse 8. He tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So this Bar-Jesus is being used by the evil one to turn people away from Jesus Christ. The goal of Satan is to turn people away from Jesus. Did you know Satan puts his own agents in the church? Jesus tells us that. He says that uh, an enemy came and sowed this seed for these tares. This is a work of the enemy. And they grow up together. Uh, how many stories have you heard over the years about someone in church that has done some wicked thing that has turned somebody away from going to church? Can I tell you something? That's a strategy of the devil. To put people in the church who will turn people away from Jesus Christ. He'll use, he'll use scientists. I'm not anti-science. You can read some good science that will, that will focus your eyes upon God. But he, he, can use, he can use professors. He can use preachers, ungodly preachers. You know, did you know, uh, now I don't know that how, how uh, bad a preacher he was, but he probably wasn't a very effective preacher because he didn't know Jesus Christ. But the president of my seminary, when I was going to school, shared a testimony that he was pastoring a church and went down to the School of the Prophets that W.A. Criswell used to do, got saved at the School of the Prophets as a pastor. Did you know, listen, uh, the enemy has a strategy to turn people away. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something. God's power is greater than his power. And so as we use prayer for these loved ones and friends that we know that have been disillusioned, or we use prayer to pray for that person who's hard-hearted against the things of God, God can break through those things. Uh, and God can use through his word and through his spirit. He can overcome. Um, 
But you need to understand what the purpose of the enemy is. And someone who is trying to discourage someone else from being a Christian, you can just mark it down. They're being used. Now, they may not realize they're being used, but they're being used by the enemy. They're being used by the enemy. So, how does Satan work against the gospel? We see his misdirection. We see his spirituality. We see his purpose. Fourthly, we see his opposition. Look at what Paul says. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't trying to be tactful here. He's being very straight, very blunt, very clear. Verse 10, he says, You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You son of the devil and enemy of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? So we see Satan's opposition. This description in verse 10 of Elymas could be a description of the devil. The main character qualities of the devil are included here. The main names the Bible uses for the devil are included in this scripture right here. <laughs> um, he says, you are full of all kinds of deceit. Did you know the devil is called the deceiver in the word of God? One of the main ways he turns people away from Christ is by opposing the truth through deceit. Um, he is a, an expert at using words to twist the truth into a lie. Uh, and he will, he will have people believe a lie that will keep them from being saved. I remember when I was under conviction uh, that I needed to be saved, I remember thinking, well, you know, if I surrender to Jesus, then all the things I want to do and the things I enjoy, I won't be able to do. I'm going to be miserable. That's what I believe. But you know what it was? It was a lie out of the pit of hell. It was the farthest thing from the truth. When I came to Christ, I began to live. I had to surrender in faith. I had to lay my life down at the altar. But can I tell you something? What I got was so much better than what I laid down at the altar when Jesus saved my soul. But the devil told me a lie. Sometimes he'll cause people to to believe a lie that will that they think uh, is is like an intellectual barrier to their coming to faith in Christ, um, and, and then after you come to faith in Christ, he still tries to do a work of deceit. A lot of times he'll keep Christians in a. Uh, I could remember when I was in high school, uh, one of the one, one of the uh, descriptions here is is the son of the devil. Um, the word devil uh, means accuser. Did you know that Satan is an accuser? Now, the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, but he does so for one reason, so that you will confess and repent of it. And can I tell you something? Once you confess and repent of it, the Holy Spirit won't bring it up again. It's under the blood of Jesus. The relationship is restored. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, he won't bring it up again. But the devil will. The devil will remind you of your sin over and over again. Why? Because he's the accuser. He's the accuser. And I can remember when I was a teenager, uh, not really understanding this fact, and uh, 
um, just feeling this accusation constantly in my life. And it was affecting my relationship with God. I felt like I couldn't come into the presence of God because I was unworthy to come. Listen, we, we've always been unworthy and we always will be unworthy. We're only made worthy because God has clothed us in the righteousness of Christ. And uh, praise God because I have been justified. I've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I can come boldly to the throne of grace. And I found that out in Romans 5. And I remember that day when I discovered that truth and, and how radical it was for me. And I memorized those verses. Listen, I didn't waste any time. And I began to quote those verses whenever I'd have those feelings of accusation and unworthiness. And can I tell you, God set me free. And I entered a new level of intimacy with God. So um, uh, he's an accuser. He opposes us through accusation. Uh, he is the adversary. In, in verse 10, he calls him the enemy of all that is right. Satan is called the adversary. He is the one who is against us. And by the way, he is the one who will try to get Christians against each other. I'm convinced, I think the, I think the devil has used me before. Okay, I'm just being transparent. My family could probably give testimony to that. Uh, there have been times I've had to apologize and I've had to confess to God. And, you know, a thought comes in your mind and it comes out your lips. And it's not from God, it's from the enemy. And it causes discord and it causes hurt feelings and so forth. Um, oftentimes, well-meaning, even good people can be used by the evil one. Did you know that? Well, just because you have a thought come into your mind doesn't mean you need to let it escape your lips. We're to take those thoughts captive and recognize we have an adversary who wants to uh, ruin the relationships we have and the unity that we have as God's people. And he wants to get our, us to get our eyes off of Christ and onto problems. And he'll do whatever he can to do that. He also is the adversary of our kids. He's, he has a plan of action to destroy your kids, to destroy you, to destroy this church. He's the adversary. He's the enemy. But can I tell you, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I love what, uh, what it says here in this scripture. Yes, Bar-Jesus was a son of the devil. Yes, he had spiritual power, but guess what? So did Paul. It says that Paul, filled with the Spirit, spoke. And he used the authority and the word that Christ had given to him to address the situation. Can I tell you something? A Spirit-filled believer is a match for a wicked person. God's power is greater than Satan's power. Uh, it's interesting to me, uh, we have this story where there's a judgment pronounced that ends the situation. Um, we also have situations like with Peter, uh, where Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of him or come out of her. And the spirit departs because of the authority of Jesus' name. Um, so um, we have a greater authority. What did Jesus say? All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. You see, and he says, I'm with you always. So 
the presence of Jesus Christ. Listen, every time the demons saw Jesus, they trembled with fear and screamed out in terror. The power of Jesus is so great. And he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And he gives us authority. He tells the disciples, he says, the demons will submit to you in my name. So we have the authority of Jesus' name. You can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, leave this place and don't come back. And the enemy has to respond to that authority. He's given us the weapon of prayer to come against the opposition of the evil one. There have been times that I have prayed in the midst of a witnessing situation because I just felt like there was a, a, a spiritual struggle that was going on. And uh, I prayed, Lord, give me wisdom, give me the words to say. Um, but, but this opposition that comes against us is not greater than Christ's power. Uh, in this case, the opposition is immediately dealt with. But did you know that there were other cases of opposition that Paul dealt with that were ongoing? If you read the book of 2 Corinthians, you see that there was an opposition against Paul's leadership in the church at Corinth, and there was a group of false teachers who were trying to lead the people away from the gospel, and they were criticizing Paul. They were having a campaign against Paul, and Paul has written them a painful letter, and he is, he has come, he's come to them before and with a painful visit, uh, and now he sends them this letter of 2 Corinthians, and he's saying, look, I don't want to come with a rod. Please don't make me do that. I want to come in gentleness and in love. And uh, so there was this ongoing opposition. Can I tell you something? The Lord Jesus can handle that too. Uh, I, I, can, I can think of a number of cases over the years in churches that my dad pastored. As I was growing up in my family and I saw uh, opposition not just to an individual, but opposition to the work of God in the church and how God took care of it. As people prayed, God removed the opposition. I've seen it in my ministry. I've seen it. Our God is mighty. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So his opposition is consistent, but Christ's presence is consistent. Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Satan is working against the gospel, but we see here, greater is the power of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is working in this man's life. He has opened his heart to the gospel, and he gives his heart to Jesus Christ. Um. A few years ago, I was listening to a radio broadcast that John MacArthur was uh, speaking, and uh, he, he said that uh, there was a woman who was demonized who came to their church, and um, he got uh, some of his uh, uh, leadership there with him to pray over this lady. Uh, they were with her for about three hours praying for her, and getting her to confess her sin to God, and she eventually gave her heart to Christ. The demons left, and she was set free. Um, sometimes the battle may not be easy, 
Jesus said this kind comes out only by prayer or by prayer and fasting. Sometimes there may be a, a, a great struggle that happens, but always know that Christ's power is greater. We have an enemy to the gospel, but we have a commission from our Savior to share the gospel, to reach people for Jesus Christ. And though the battle is there and is real, our power is greater. So we don't have to walk in fear. Uh, you know, uh, the, the disciples, when they came back from their, their uh, mission that Jesus sent them on, said, hey, even the demons submit to us in, in your name. And he said, well, don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You see, you don't have to focus on Satan. Yes, there are times that we need to, to understand what Satan's doing. We need to, that's one reason for this message. But we don't spend all our time worrying about Satan. We've put our focus on Jesus Christ. I love what the scripture says. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, for he trusts in you. And when you lift high the shield of faith, what does the scripture say? It quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So uh, know that there is a battle. Pray against the battle. Uh, pray for your kids. Uh, pray for your own spiritual life, that the, the Lord will protect you from the battle that's being waged against you. And, um, and, and pray for this church. Pray there's a battle going on for this church. Pray for this church. But don't allow yourself to become paralyzed by it, and don't allow yourself to become overly focused on it, because our God is, is the, the thing we need to be focused on. Um, and uh, it's interesting, um, Paul moves on, and, uh, and you know, the, the awesome thing is, this didn't sidetrack Paul, Paul well, I've got opposition, I'm going to quit. No, he continued, and he went from place to place. Uh, he en uh, endured hardship. But here's the great thing. When you undergo suffering for the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So if you share Jesus with somebody and they don't appreciate it, or somebody else opposes you, uh, or somebody else didn't like you, understand this. Jesus is pleased with you, and Jesus will reward you, and the reward he gives will never pass away. So, know you have an enemy, but don't get all in a sweat about him, because Jesus is so much greater in power. The enemy is limited in knowledge. Jesus is omniscient. The enemy is limited in power. Jesus is all-powerful. The enemy is limited to one place. Did you know he can't be ever? We talk about the enemy. It's probably not Satan. It's probably one of his demons. Okay? Uh, the enemy is limited to one place. Jesus is omnipresent. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The power Jesus has is so much greater. It's not even a comparison. All right. So, um, as a child of God, be aware, use the Word of God, use your witness, and, and speak the Scripture to people that you're talking to about Jesus. Uh, use prayer. Pray for people regularly. Pray for people when you're talking to them. Uh, ask God to put uh, an individual or a few individuals on your mind and heart to pray for their salvation. 
That's a spiritual weapon. Um, and then ask God to fill you with the Spirit of God, and he will use you to overcome the evil one. Uh, a gentle tongue can break a bone. <laughs> that's, a, that's a scripture, uh, I believe it's from Proverbs, uh, and it's talking about how you can speak softly and have a great impact. Can I tell you something? If you're filled with the Spirit of God, you can have a great power, great power to make a difference in this world. So trust Him. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, can I tell you something? You're in Satan's kingdom. Um, and the way to be delivered from Satan's kingdom is to repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, living for Jesus is a lot better anyway. So uh, Jesus paid the price on Calvary's cross. He died for our sins in our place, took the wrath of God that we deserved upon himself, satisfied it all, said it is finished, paid in full, as Philip sung about earlier, and he rose again in mighty power. And because of what Jesus has done, if you will repent of your sin, make a choice to turn from your sin in your own way to follow Christ, and receive that gift of eternal life on the authority of God's word in the name of Jesus, I want to tell you something. He'll save your soul. He'll save your soul. If you'd like to make that decision right now, I'm going to, uh, we're going to be begin a, to have an invitation here in just a moment. And I'm going to ask you to come here to the front. I'll be standing here at the front, help you with a prayer. Or you can pray here at the altar in your own words if you want to tell Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to repent and receive that gift of eternal life. Um, and uh, if you're here today, uh, maybe there's somebody you need to pray for who's in spiritual bondage. Maybe somebody who's been deceived by the enemy. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a, a relative that you know who's been led away from Christ. You want to come here and pray for them and let us pray with you as the body of Christ.